So on Vision Day, we talked about our word for this year, inconvenient faith. Convenient Christianity is the enemy of your soul. Convenient Christianity is the enemy of your soul. So this year, we are dedicating an entire year to our eight core practices, or as uh, we called them on Vision Day, our eight uh, inconvenient practices. Because our eight practices are great, but then you try to practice them, and they're very inconvenient. And so we're going to start, uh, and we started last week with this series called Inconvenient Prayer. And we're in the book of Daniel, and we'll be there all throughout this series, but I'm excited. And before you sit down, would you just welcome my best friend, Blaine Bartell, who's going to bring the word to us today. Come on, Blaine. I got to hurry. I only got about 20 minutes. Thanks a lot. All right. Good to see you. Have a seat. Blessings on all of you. It's always good to be back with our core family, and you are like a family to us. We get to do so many things uh, together. Had a great men's event last year. I see a lot of familiar faces, a lot of guys who got to hang out with, and uh, my wife is here this morning, Lori. Always good to have my bride, my beauty, my best half. So uh, I'm pumped. Uh, man, I, I kind of wanted Brad just to keep preaching this morning. Man, if you're a guest here today, I think you found your church. I mean, seriously, if you are a guest, you have found your home. What, what a beautiful community this is. What a Jesus community this is. What a vision Core Church has. We're just so excited to be a part of it and participate in it with you. And um, I just believe that what God has uh, put in my heart is a, a real word of the Lord for you this morning, a word of the Lord for even as we move into this 22 days of vision and prayer and fasting and asking uh, God to speak to us. So super pumped about it. And uh, I'm going to begin with a story because when you talk about wisdom, sometimes we have this idea, by the way, I know I'm not as good as this guy. I know there are people that came here this morning expecting to hear Brad, and now you're like, oh, guest speaker. <laughs> I know I'm not as funny as him. I know I'm not as good looking. I'm not as tall. And I don't have a radio voice that people pay for. I don't have all that stuff. So... I'm going to just ask you one thing this morning, please. <laughs> Be kind. All right. So there's this Christian cowboy, and he's got this ranch. And he, uh, he's an on-fire Christian. I mean, he wants everyone to be saved. So he gets his ranch hands together one day, and he says, guess what, guys, man? I, I have just, I have done something no one's ever done. I figured out how to train my horse to respond to Jesus' commands, to Christian commands. And they're all like, no way. He said, yes. And he brings out this horse and, and uh, he says, man, my horse, he doesn't respond to giddy up. He responds to praise the Lord. Man, you say praise the Lord, it gets him all fired up and he starts running. And they said, well, how do you stop him? Well, you don't say whoa, he says, you say Amen. Because amen's the stop. Amen's the end, the end of the prayer. And, and so, so this horse just responds to Jesus. And they're all like, well, we're not sure we believe that. And, and they said, well, just prove it. Prove it, cowboy. So he says, okay, what do you want me to do? And they said, well, there's, you know, there's uh, this field that goes out about 150 yards. And, and I want you to run that horse on that field 
just as fast as you can with a praise the Lord. And there's, a, there's about a 200-foot cliff at the end of that field. And just before you get to the end, I want you to shout amen if you really believe in this horse. Can't say whoa, can't pull the reins, just got to say amen. And he said, you watch, you watch. So he says, all right, gets on that horse. And he just starts to pray. And, and then he gets that horse, he says, praise the Lord. And that horse just takes off running. I mean, just a galloping, I mean, they're just going, you know. And he's getting closer and closer and closer to that cliff, but he's not afraid because he knows this horse is a Holy Ghost horse. Finally, he gets about 50 feet from the cliff, and he says, amen, just a little bit early. Horse didn't stop. Got 30 feet. Amen. Horse still doesn't stop. And I mean, now he's like 15 feet from the cliff, and he just shouts as loud as he can with all that he's got in prayer. Amen. And the horse just stops right on the brink of the cliff. I mean, he's looking down 200 feet. The ranch hands are all like, oh, my goodness. And the cowboy looks back and says, praise the Lord. Oh, yeah. Sometimes we think we're really wise, and we're, we're actually not. When we talk about wisdom this morning, I am not talking about education. When we talk about the wisdom of, of God today, I'm not talking about, you know, common sense or, or how much you've learned or how much your dad taught you or what you learned in, in this trade school. When we talk about the wisdom of God today, friends, we're talking about something supernatural, something spiritual, this, this, this ability that God has to give his children wisdom and understanding. Paul prayed for the church in Ephesus. He said, I pray that God would give you a what? A spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Jesus Christ. He said, there is this spirit, there's this Holy Spirit that will divinely give you his guidance, divinely give you understanding, that you'll see things and understand things that you would never get any other way. It's such an advantage to be a believer. It's such an advantage to be a prayer. It's such an advantage to hear what the Spirit of God is saying to us as moms, as fathers, as sons, as you know, uh, doctors, as plumbers, as whatever we're doing, there's an advantage to knowing God. And God wants you to step into that because it will not just bring blessing to you to have the wisdom of God. It will bring blessing to others. Ultimately, the wisdom of God is to bring a testimony of God's goodness and God's grace to a world that is living without his wisdom, to a world that is living without his guidance and his leadership. As we talk through the book of Daniel, you know, there's this story, and I'm not going to... Uh, you know, read every scripture. I'm going to kind of recount it to you, and then I'm going to close or kind of end with a, a scripture that Daniel uh, prays, a prayer that he prays. But there's a story of King Nebuchadnezzar, who's an ungodly king. He's not a Jewish king. He's a Babylonian king. And uh, Israel, uh, many of the Jewish people were in exile into Babylonia, and so they're, they're living under this secular uh, culture, this, uh, this worldly king and ungodly king. And Nebuchadnezzar was a man, uh, a king that had lots of dreams, and he wanted to know what his dreams meant. And he had this one dream that he couldn't figure out. And, and Nebuchadnezzar had, you know, all these, you know, sorcerers and astrologers and, uh, 
these magicians that they were they were named, and 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 then they had uh, they had these these four Hebrew children, uh, Daniel, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, and he would look to these people to figure out what the dream meant. And it said that with these these Hebrew children, these Hebrew children in exile in Babylon, that God gave them great skill and wisdom and learning, that that they had this uh, supernatural ability to understand visions and dreams. And there came a point when King Nebuchadnezzar had had this one dream that he was really concerned about, and he had all his magicians and all of his astrologers try to interpret the dream, and none of them could. None of them could. But he didn't ask Daniel. He didn't ask the three Hebrew children. He just kind of walked away from that, and he really got upset. He got so angry at all of his astrologers that couldn't interpret the dream that he said, I want them all put to death. I want all the wise in the kingdom to be destroyed. And so the king's assistant began to prepare for their destruction. And somehow the word got back to Daniel, and Daniel asked the king's assistant, can you please give me an audience with the king? Because I believe, he said, that the Lord can interpret his dream. Not that I could, but that the Lord could. And so the king was approached, and he agreed to let Daniel have an audience with him. And Daniel came in, and he, he, he made a plea to the king. He said, don't destroy, not just me, not just the Hebrew children, but don't destroy all of these people. Don't destroy the astrologers. Don't destroy the magicians. He made a plea for all of those that were considered wise in that day. And he said to the king, he said, there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries, and he will make it known to you, King Nebuchadnezzar. And the king said, all right. Truly your God is great. Let him reveal the mystery. So in response, Daniel began to pray, and he began to seek after God, and God showed him the interpretation to the king's dream, and he came back to Nebuchadnezzar and said, this is what the Lord has revealed, and the king was so blown away. It was so right on. It was just so perfect. It was exactly what the king needed to hear that the king said, listen, none of the astrologers, none of the magicians, none of the people that I sought to kill will be destroyed. And not only that, but because of what you've done, Daniel, I'm going to promote you with high honors and great gifts. And he made him a ruler over an entire province in the kingdom. See, when we have the wisdom of God, good things happen. Good things happen for you. Good things happen for those that are around you. Even people that aren't following God are going to see the testimony and the blessing of God's wisdom in your life. And it's a supernatural wisdom. God's waiting to reveal his intentions and his plans to all of us. That there's stuff that we can understand and know and hear in our heart and in our spirit that couldn't come any other way. God wants to reveal his wisdom in our life. You see, every single one of us have this thing that I call the spark of the divine. We are made, what it literally means is we're made in the image of God. 
We're made in his likeness. We're different from the animal kingdom. We're, we're different from trees. We're different from objects. We have this ability to commune with God, to interact with God. That's what prayer is. It's this ability not just to utter words and say, God, I need this and I need that, but it's this ability not just to, to give but to receive and to know the heart and the voice of God. Seven times in the book of Revelation, it says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying to the church. And I love Daniel's prayer because he gives God all the glory. At the end of this in Daniel 2, he says, Blessed be the name of God forever, to whom belong wisdom and might. He changes the times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those that have understanding, for he reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness, and the light dwells with him. To you, O God of my fathers, I give praise and I give thanks, for you have given me wisdom and might, and have made known to me what we asked of you, and you have made known to us the king's matter. He thanked God. Notice he didn't say, man, I got educated. Man, I, I just studied a lot. Or I'm just a brilliant man. He gave glory to God for the revelation in the insight of God's wisdom. And I'm going to just share in the next few minutes, 10 minutes maybe, just a few stories about how God can lead us, how God can interact with us and show us things to come. There's this passage, and, you know, one of the questions we might ask this morning is, why do we need godly wisdom? Why can't we just survive on education and common sense? Why do we need God to speak to us? And, and that's a good question. And we see the answer to that in James chapter 1. James says, verse 2, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters. Whenever you face trials, everyone say trials. Trials of many kind, it says, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance, let perseverance finish its work, that you may be mature and complete, but not lacking anything. But notice what he says, in the midst of these trials, in the midst of these difficult times, he said, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask of God, who gives generously to all, without finding fault that it may be given to you. And when you ask, believe and don't doubt, because he who doubts is like a wave in the sea, tossed and blown by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything of the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. So God speaks here and he says, listen, folks, if you're a Christian, if you're a believer, you're going to encounter difficult times. You're, you're going to encounter trials, things that try us, things that test us. Don't be surprised by this. But he said, part of what you need to do is you need to ask God for wisdom. Because there'll be times you don't know how to get through. There'll be times that you're not sure what the next step is. And it's in those moments that when you're in those trying times, God will direct you. And he has blessing for you, even in the midst of the trials. So I, I, I want to just share three things. Number one, we need God's wisdom because... Life is not easy. There's times that we get in difficult places, and God wants to show up in the middle of your world. I remember 12 years ago, I uh, went through 
worst time in my life. I mean, really, I'd skated through life up until about 49. Things had gone well, everything great, good family, ministry, career, you know, kids. And all of a sudden, 49, man, life ended. Life ended. And I'd been hiding this addiction in my life, this brokenness, and I was so ashamed of it, and I wouldn't tell anybody about it, and I just tried to keep it under wraps, and I tried to stop it and never could, and finally it just broke me. So I ended up at 49 years old confessing to 23 years of pornography addiction that had turned into just unbelievable darkness in my life. And in that, it just destroyed everything that I had built. I had built my marriage, my relationship with my, my three children, lost my church that we had built in, in Dallas, um, financially devastated, house foreclosure, savings gone. I remember about a year later, just now trying to fight still out of this addiction. I've been to recovery centers. I was in four recovery groups. I was reading recovery books. I was going through recovery classes. All I heard was recovery, 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 recovery. I mean, I was doing everything I could to try to find life again at 49. And then something worse hits me than even the addiction was the depression. I mean, it was in waves to the point where I, I would feel like I was this, in, in this deep, dark hole and could not see light every day. The only way to escape it was to get under my covers and just try to sleep it away. And I, I would literally uh, like try to go to sleep three, four times a day as long as I could. And, and Lori will tell you, I'm, I'm good at naps. Just sleep it away, like to escape. It was awful. And I'm doing all this recovery work, this recovery work, and nothing's really changing. And I'm getting so desperate. And I remember friends driving from Kansas City to Tulsa about a year and a half after this, still in this depths of despair. And I'm just minding my own business. It's a boring four-hour drive. I got nothing on the radio. I'm just looking out. There's no internet. So, you know, I mean, it's, I'm just driving. And I, it had been a long time since I prayed. It had been a long time since I'd heard or felt like God had spoken to me on any level. And the truth is, on that drive, I wasn't even praying that day. It's just driving. But this is how much the Father loves you and loves us. As I'm driving along and all of a sudden, out of the blue, I hear these words, Blaine, I have not called you into recovery. I'm not going to give you a recovery. I am calling you into resurrection. That's all I heard. Wasn't asking for it. Wasn't looking for it. But I was in the most trying, difficult time in my life. And the spirit who is called in the, the Bible, the comforter, came along to comfort me and gave me a little bit of wisdom. I didn't know what that meant, but I remember going home and God said, go to Lazarus' story. 
of him rising from the dead. Study resurrection. And the Lord told me to write down seven things that would get me through this moment out of Lazarus's story. And I wrote down all seven, and I am still living by those seven principles today. And I can tell you, God completely set me free out of that one moment of Holy Spirit, Jesus, wisdom. God's for you. He's got ideas and plans and thoughts and mission and purpose that you'll never come up with by yourself. He's ready to speak to us. He's ready to lead us. The second reason that we need wisdom is because life can be confusing. How many of us have got into a place where we're like, where do I go? Well, what do I do? How do I handle my son? What, what do I do in this marriage? What, what, what's my career going to look like? How many times have we changed careers and thought, well, maybe this is it, maybe this? What in the world am I supposed to do in my life right now? We get confused. We're not sure where to go. And here's the problem with confusion in America is we will often go to social media. And we'll get on Facebook or get on Instagram or whatever your, your, your thing is. And we'll start scrolling. <laughs> oh, Lord, speak to me. I know there's all these posts and they're encouraging. And, and man, you, if you thought you were confused before, wait till you get on there. I mean, everyone is spouting out their thoughts and their wisdom and their great sayings and what they learned and what happened. And I'm one of them. Like, we're all there. And we're like, what do I do? But God loves to be the God of clarity when we lack understanding. He loves to just push back the darkness and push back all the noise and say, thus saith the Lord, this is what you need to hear. This is what you need to do. This is where you need to go. I remember I was 20 years old in Canada. That's where I grew up. And I somehow got this idea that God wanted me to have uh, a television ministry. <laughs> Crazy idea, right? Like, go on TV. And I, I wanted to preach the gospel on TV. I remember I'd watch Saturday Night Live as a kid, you know, the, the comedy series that on Saturday nights that has gone on for, what, 30, 40 years. And I thought, that's what I want to do, except I want to do it for the Lord. I want to do Christian skits and Christian drama and Christian music artists. And then instead of doing a comedy routine, I want to preach the gospel. So I had that vision. I shared that vision with everyone all over Canada. And I'm trying to get the funds. Television's a lot of money. I'm trying to get the funds to, to start this show, and nobody was buying in. I mean, nobody believed in this 20-year-old kid that he was going to start a, a Christian Saturday Night Live. I mean, it was ridiculous. Finally, I got this one contact who was in the media, and she and her husband were connect, connected to the largest brewery in Canada, Labatt's Beer. And they said, I can get you an audience with the marketing director, and you can pitch this thing, and maybe Labatt's Beer would, would come up with the money and sponsor your Christian Saturday Night Live. <laughs> and I was for it. I was like, oh, I don't care where the money comes from, man. I just want to do this thing. 
So I went with them, and I, I had the slogan ready to go. I mean, I had a meeting with them, and I, the, my slogan was, the Lord loves Labatt's. I thought, yes. <laughs> well, you all know that didn't happen. Didn't go over. I was so disappointed. And more than disappointment, I was confused. I was like, Lord, gave me this vision, gave me this idea, gave me this plan. Nothing's happening. So confused. And I was so confused and depressed one night. I went to my bedroom. I said, Lord, I am, I am going to pray in here, and I'm not coming out until I hear from you. I'm tired of this. It's been two years. I mean, I got all these plans written out, scripts, everything. God, I got to hear from you. I need wisdom. I'm in confusion. I'm in the dark. And I sat in that bedroom and prayed and prayed and prayed. And I remember the Lord finally just lighting down in that room. And I heard him as clear as day. And I walked out and I looked at my wife and I literally prophesied and spoke what God had spoken to me. And I told her, I said, we're going to move to Tulsa, Oklahoma. We're going to work with a man whose name is Willie George. We are going to work with him alongside him, support his ministry, and over time, he's going to help us to launch a television program that will reach Christian teenagers across the nation, even unsaved kids. And she just kind of looked at me and said, well, you know, it might be good for him to know. <laughs> I had a relationship with him, but, you know, it's not like we talked that often. I knew who he was, and he knew who I was. And, but, but he was coming to Canada a month later to speak. So I reached out ahead of time, and I said, hey, would, would you like to do dinner one night? We'd like to just talk to you and see you, and he agreed. So we came for dinner one night, had a meal together in, in, our, uh, you know, in our home, and then we sat down in the living room after and I looked at him, and I was in trepidation. I mean, I was just like, oh, God, this is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. I mean, he's just going to laugh me out of this room. You know, what, what am I doing? I mean, I just had all this fear. But I just pushed through it. And I said, Brother Willie, uh, I was praying a month ago, and I've had this dream and this vision, and I just want to share something with you, and he stopped me. He stopped me, and I thought, man, this, this must be really bad. I haven't even got to the pitch yet, and he's already stopped me. And he stopped me, and he said, Blaine, let me tell you what you're about to tell me. He said, you're going to come to Tulsa. You're going to work alongside our ministry, and you are going to start a program that we're going to help you launch. It is a program for teenagers that goes around the world, and I believe God's right in the center of it. So let's get going. Wow! I was like... <laughs> now, that sounds real easy, but it took two years before it ever got launched. We had to get visas and alien residence cards. I mean, there was a lot of work to get that far and get that done. But two years later, we launched a television program. And it started small and insignificant. We sent it out on VHS tapes to 300 parents and churches who showed it to their kids. But five years later, we were sending out 5,000 VHS tapes to pastors and churches and youth groups all across the country, and then it got aired on national television, and teenagers across literally the world saw it because it went on the Armed Forces Network as well. But I wonder what could happen with us when we take a few moments
Say, God, break through this confusion in my life. What is there? What am I not seeing? What am I missing? Because God has plans for all of us. He has purpose in our life. We're meant to get up in the morning with something burning inside of us. And the last thing is that life is truly a journey. And a journey, you need a map. You need to know where you're going. And I'm telling you, friends, if you, if you have God's direction, if you have God's wisdom in your journey, it's, it's not only going to get you to a place of God's choosing, which is great, but the beauty of knowing that you have the wisdom of God in your decisions and in your choices and in the things that you're doing is that when you get up and you have that journey in mind and you know what he's called you to do, listen, this is what happens. It takes away options for you. See, the reason so many Christians flounder in sin, in brokenness, in bad decisions, is because they don't know their destination. They're getting up and they're born again and they love Jesus and they believe in, you know, the gospel, but they really don't sense that they're on a journey with God, that God actually has destination points in their life. And so they get up and they just kind of wander aimlessly. See, if you, if you just launch out in your, in your car and you just decide to go for a ride, well, you know, you have too many options. There's too many right turns and too many left turns and too many places that you can get in dead ends. You see, this morning, I got in my car, and I knew where I was going. It's going to core church. I knew exactly where it was, and I knew how I could get there, and I was ready. And I can tell you, on my journey here, there was not one time that the devil tempted me to turn right and go to a bar. There wasn't one time that the devil tempted me to, to do a U-turn and, and just go back to the house. Why? Because there was purpose. There was direction. There was a journey to be made. And when God gives us a journey, when we have the, the wisdom of God revealed in our life, in our marriage, in the things that we do, oh my goodness, life gets better. It takes away so many awful options and dead ends in our life. Here's what God wants you to know as we close today. You don't lack a job. You don't lack money. You don't lack resources. You don't lack ideas. You don't lack purpose in your life. The only thing that we are lacking today is the wisdom of God. All of that is available. When God told Solomon, ask what you will, what do you want? Solomon said, Lord, just give me wisdom and understanding. I don't want stuff. I don't want things. I don't want kingdoms. I don't want this. I don't want that. Lord, just give me your wisdom. Because he knew in God's wisdom, everything else would come. And can we do that as we move into these 22 days? As we go in to seek God, as we're moving into prayer and fasting, can we, can we just trust God that he's going to reveal things that we need to see, that we need to understand? Let's do it with faith, as James said. Let's believe that God cares about me and my family, the things that I'm doing, but not just about me, that the, the blessing that God brings can extend beyond our home, into our church, into our community 
into our world. Lord, we love you. We're so grateful that you said, not only would you pour out generosity or pour out wisdom to us if we pray, but you said you'd pour it out generously. Oh, Lord. Generously, abundantly. So grateful for that. I pray for each and every person that is in this room. There's some that have come here this morning that have felt a cloud over their head. That's the only way I can describe it. It's like that Charlie Brown cloud that no matter where you walk, it walks with you. And it's a cloud of confusion. It's a cloud that seems to just stop the light from getting in. And in the name of Jesus, I come into agreement with you, my brother, my sister, for the cloud to be gone, for the light of God to break through. Come into agreement with me today. Believe right now that you are a candidate for the wisdom of God, that he loves you as much as he loves anybody else. And he wants to visit you with understanding and visit you with clarity today where you get up in the morning and you have a sense of direction, that your compass is set, that your heart is set. Father, thank you for that today. We speak blessing. We speak wisdom. We speak understanding over the people of God. In Jesus' name, amen.